0: We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Emily here and welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Today I'm talking to my friend Andrea Klassen, who is an Ayurvedic coach, personal trainer, and a New Moon Circle leader. She is on a mission to help sort of the type A mom slow down, tune in, and connect to her divine body wisdom. And Andrea is an absolute wealth of information. I love referring to her on anything to do with Ayurveda because she always has so many interesting tidbits to share. And we talked even before we jumped on this call about how Ayurveda is actually just an incredibly vast amount. There's so much involved with it that sometimes it can be overwhelming to even know where to start. And Andrea really explains explains Ayurveda beautifully. She breaks it all down for us. And we talk about the three different doshas. She has some really simple tips around Ayurveda that you can start to implement into your own life. And just really using Ayurveda to get to know yourself better, to maximize your workouts, maximize your self-care, Uh, how you're taking uh, care of your body. All of these things can be combined to really maximize your health and to make Ayurveda work to your knowledge. We also really explore a lot to do with Ayurveda and the connection to nature as well, which is always so important to me because I'm, I'm always encouraging people to get out there and spend more time in nature whenever you can. And there's so many incredible benefits. That Andrea is going to talk to us about as well. So make sure to stay tuned for this. And for anything mentioned in the show notes, make sure to jump over to room to grow where you'll be fine. be able to find everything to do with Andrea, anything that is referenced in the episode and any other uh, cool notes that you might want. Andrea, thank you so much for being here today. Yay. I'm so excited. Me too. We were just chatting about everything Ayurveda and I am so pumped about this. You are my my go-to person, because I don't know a lot about Ayurveda. So anytime it ever comes up, I always kind of refer to you because I'm like, Andrea just like knows all of her shit inside and out. So tell us, tell us a little bit about you and what kind of got you interested in Ayurveda in the first place and how you
1: ended up doing what you're doing now. Ooh, yes. So Really, it started, I mean, basically when I was 16, like I've been in the health and wellness world uh, for 18 years now, which I did the math earlier and I was like, oh my goodness. So at (laughs) 16, like I, um, our school, I went to a very small school and a rural community and they had a women's or a boys and a girls weight room. And, um, I, I was the only one who wanted to lift weights as a female in the entire school. So I convinced one of my teammates, um, to come in and lift weights with me before school three times a week. So we'd have to get up at six in the morning. So in order for her to do that, she said, okay, you have to bring a workout. And so that's kind of where I got interested in it because I had to kind of rip out stuff from magazines because at those days the internet wasn't what it was. And so I'm like ripping stuff out, bringing it in, and we're just trying different workouts. And then in college, um, it was the same thing. I expected to be behind the curve because I assumed people from these bigger schools would know how to lift weights. And it wasn't like that. So I was just kind of the go-to person for anyone who wanted You know, um, an ab routine, because that's what everyone wants to work when they're in high school and college. And, um, you know, how do you actually do a deadlift? And so I'm sitting there teaching my teammates how to do um, anything involving weight room or conditioning and cardio, all of that. And then after um, I graduated, I just kind of slid right into personal training. I studied sports and exercise science and psychology. So it was like the perfect blend for training. And, um, you know, I've been doing that now for 11 years, having, I've ran my own business for six and yoga kind of came into the picture first before Ayurveda did. And yoga came in when I was on, I went to a yoga retreat in Costa Rica and the gal who is a dear friend of mine now, um, I didn't really know her that well. It just was, um, on a whim that I even met her. And I went on this retreat with her, and she told me I was a pitta while on this retreat, and I had no idea what that meant. Um, And she told me it was a dosha and associated with Ayurveda, and so that's kind of where my interest started to peak. And I was kind of like, okay, that sounds cool. So I went back home and I signed up for a yoga teacher training, um, thinking I'm going to learn all of this Ayurveda stuff she kind of taught us, and you know, come to find out it was a nine month program. We only talked about Ayurveda for three hours of this nine month program. And so, um, I was kind of like, okay, I got to explore this even more. And, um, it really kind of was on the back burner until after I had my son. And then after my son was born, I, um, who's now two and a half, I kind of, I felt lost. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have any energy. Um, and I just felt like I, you know, something was missing in my life. And that's when Ayurveda kind of came back into the picture. And I signed up for my first, um, you know, kind of venture into a deep dive into Ayurveda. And I I haven't looked back because it's just such a game changer for me in terms of figuring out who I was again and connecting with myself and understanding, like when to actually push hard in a workout and when to maybe not. um, Why during the fall, it's a great time to, um, enjoy soups versus salads, so like all of these little things um, are things that I've learned along the way. All, you know, coming back to Ayurveda. That is so
0: fascinating. I <laughs> love it, and I love how how you've had such a long history in this too. And and you started, you know, giving workouts to your teammates like at such a young age. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit more, more about Ayurveda. I mean, I know we're, we're obviously going to do a deeper dive into this anyway, but you and I were talking before we jumped on about the fact that it is so. there's so much to know that it's almost hard to even figure out a starting point. So you kind of start wherever you want to start with, and then I'll just keep asking questions (laughs) because I'm sure I'll have lots.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So basically if you've never heard of it, um, it originated in India over 5,000 years ago. So it's one of the oldest medicine and systems of science in the entire world. And, um, it really is, it, it's actually translates to the wisdom of life. And so from there, people are like, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so from there, um, we kind of break it down into, they have five elements that are often associated with it. And so the five elements are air, ether, fire, water, and earth. And with those, that can be broken down into doshas. And so that's kind of the backbone of where it got started. And then what it literally means to me and what I help people Um, kind of learn about themselves is it's really about divine body wisdom, you know, trusting yourself and understanding that, you know, all of the answers. And um, a lot of the women I work with have maybe, you know, went to Western doctors and, you know, they can't figure out what's wrong with them or they just don't have a solution. And so sometimes it's coming to maybe more the Eastern side of things where we really deep dive into someone's health, like the health history form that you go through. (laughs) It's like 24 pages long. And so when, you know, prospective clients, you know, fill it out, they're like, wow, that was, it's an investment to fill out those form. And then from there though, I learned so much about someone's background, Um, you know, and these are really, really deep questions that, you know, as a trainer, like my questionnaire is like three pages. And then so compared to that, it's just, you get so much more details that I can really help you with um, overall health with. And it really depends on the person Um, you know, we can help anything from constipation from rosacea to, um, anything that's kind of a nagging long-term thing that's been going on in the body. So like an acute injury, not a great person to see as an Ayurvedic doctor, not going to be able to help you, but it's more of those kind of nagging long-term things. That's when, um, an Ayurvedic health coach, practitioner, or doctor, uh, might be able to help.
0: That's really fascinating. And, the the five elements you mentioned: air, fire, water, earth, and ether. What is ether?
1: So air and ether kind of go um, hand in hand. That's kind of just like the ether is kind of like the space or out there, um, and that's associated with a vata dosha. And um, that's kind of why uh, I don't know if you want me to go into the doshas right now, but sure, yeah, go for it. So the vata dosha. This is kind of how you can probably see it a little bit better. So in those elements. Air and ether and vata, the vata dosha is out of balance. Someone is talking on their phone and they're telling their friend, they're like, hey, hey, I got to go, but I can't find my cell phone. And they're like, no, you're on your phone talking to me. And you're like, oh my gosh. It's just those spacey things that sometimes happen to us. And that's why the vata dosha is associated with those qualities. So they tend to be lighter in aspect. Um, Out of balance, they're very ungrounded. So if you travel a lot, the vata dosha tends to be the first thing that goes out of balance. Um, I went on a trip in August, and I just had arrived, and I arrived late. And so people were just doing introductions. And so I walked up to the front of the room, um, and I didn't have my shoes on. And I'm like, this is my way of grounding, because I know, for me, travel really wipes me out, and I get really spacey, and my vata's off. So anytime you can connect to the earth, so just taking those shoes off, um, and just kind of connecting to yourself, and even if you have our eyes closed, like I took couple breaths, had my eyes closed, settled down before I even, you know, shared who I was to this group. And sometimes like that is kind of helps vata become more in balance because they do tend to get a little bit more heady and um, a little bit more forgetful and spacey if you've been traveling or like um, during the seasons, they each are associated with a season and the fall season is associated with vata. So that's why sometimes during this fall season, You can also feel a little bit um, out of sorts. Interesting.
0: Okay. So, all of
1: us basically have
0: a little bit of all three doshas. Am I I understanding that correctly? And then it's just like one can end up being a little bit more out of balance than another.
1: Yeah. So, the vata, pitta, and kapha are the three doshas. And so, Um, You have a primary dosha and then a secondary dosha. And so your primary, like I'm primarily pitta and secondary is my vata, but that doesn't mean that I don't have kapha. I do have kapha as well. Um, So do you know your dosha, Emily? I don't actually. So that um, I'm trying to think, oh, I'd have to know, I feel like you would be a pitta vata blend in some sort. And I don't know which one would be first. My guess would be pitta just from you know, talking with you and knowing you a little bit, I think yours would probably be Pitta. Because um, vatas usually it's easy for myself to pick out um, in clients because Vatas, uh, again, if you're not aware of these qualities, they tend to be the people who are a little bit more, um, they talk about one thing and then the next minute they're over here and then they're over here and then they're over here and, over here, and you're like, oh my goodness, we're going all over. <laughs> Got it. Um, and that would be like that, you know, more flighty. Uh, But grounded, if you're a grounded vata and you're really present, you are um, super creative. So these are make great entrepreneurs because they have 20 different ideas. They sometimes have trouble acting on them because they are so creative. Um, And then that's kind of how you can kind of see that aspect of yourself. And again, we have all of these in us. And so you might have bits and pieces of each of them. And it's knowing which one is feeling a little off. And that's kind of where to go from that. So for instance, if you're a vata and you are feeling really like sluggish and um, just no energy and just feeling low, that would be the kapha dosha being off in your body. So instead of, um, you know, maybe grounding, you actually need to get up and move because kapha tends to need a little bit more movement in their lives. And so those are kind of different ways that you treat them. That's why it's so important to understand a little bit about each of them. So you understand what's going on in your body and in your mind. Okay. So can we go through a little bit more of
0: then what, what a Pitta and a Kapha would entail? I know you just mentioned like about feeling low and stuff as a, as a Kapha, but then i would love to get a little bit more information on, on the other two. And then people will maybe have a little bit better ideas to kind of where to start taking a deeper dive into things.
1: Yeah. So Kapha, Kapha is the um, they are the like the mother earth energy. These are the people who you're like, oh, I just want to give them a hug. I don't know why they're so sweet. They're really grounded people. Um, they are they tend to be really connected to the earth and to nature. So that is kind of that kapha dosha out of balance. Though they can present in like the sadness. It's more the depression. It's the Um, I can't get out of the couch because I've just been sitting here all weekend watching Netflix and they just don't have that motivation to get up and do something. That would be that kapha getting out of balance. And so some, sometimes those are like the more heavy energies. So they're associated with the earth and water elements. So you can kind of see those are heavy qualities. And so that heaviness is what can kind of bring down the kapha. So that's why movement is so key for them because if they move, they keep things going they keep their energy going. Um, And when they get stuck, that's when stuff gets stuck inside of them. And that's when they mentally and physically kind of shut down. So you can kind of see that with the kapha dosha. Now, pittas, pittas are fire. They are fierce. They're intense. Um, These are people who really help out those vata entrepreneurs because the pittas really make that engine go. Like they are a to-do list person. They get things done. um, They are really on top of stuff. Now, out of balance, um, because they're associated with the fire element, They are, they can get burnt out so they can go so hard where they just burn themselves out because they went, um, you know, they are going to get their workout in, even if they are dog tired and didn't sleep, they're still waking up at 5am to get that workout in. Um, they don't care how they feel. They just keep pushing because their schedule says to. So that's kind of the out of balance with that pitta dosha. And so you can kind of see how all three of them can present problems if they're out of balance. Interesting. That is so fascinating. So, which one is is water? Is that Kapha as well? Yep, Kapha uh, is got water. And now, technically, Pitta has fire and water as well. So it's got okay. both of the, you know, the intensity, but it also has some cooling aspects as well. Okay. So
0: each one has like two elements. There's just like an overlap with with water, right? Yep. yep. Okay. That is fascinating. And I think you're probably right. I probably am a Pitta, but I can definitely like as you're explaining it, I can see periods like where I end up feeling super anxious too, then I can be That's prone to, up. yeah, yeah. And, nope. and getting really out of balance. And then even some of what you were describing with the, the kafa too, like if I, if I start to get really down, I can have a hard time pulling myself out of it sometimes. So nope. I can definitely see like where all three have play a huge role.
1: Yeah. And then in terms of like, like body size. So this is where sometimes people get stuck on that. And, um, like, so vatas tend to be more slender builds. Um, pittas tend to be putting on muscle pretty easily. And then the kaphas might have a few extra pounds. Now I say this because this is usually what people get hung up on. And I've seen this happen. Um, actually, when I went through my yoga teacher training, we had a gal, we had an Ayurvedic practitioner come in and she asked what we thought we were. We said, and she either said yes or no, basically. And, um, this gal just did not want to be a kapha. And like, she totally is. Cause she's got that mother earth energy. So she's so grounded. Like you just, they're those magnets you want to be around. And that's, she has that personality. But for her, you know, she also maybe had a few extra pounds that, um, she was trying to get rid of. And that's the only thing that she could stick to. Cause she said, but I haven't been overweight all my life. And the practitioner's like, but that has nothing to do with the, the dosha. And so sometimes when we hear that, or if maybe you've seen charts of that, um, like that actually the excess, if like, if you have a lot of weight to lose, it actually goes with the vata dosha. So it's not even anything to do with the kapha. It usually means vata is out of balance. And I just like to say that, cause I know that's sometimes the first thing that people see and, um you know, I don't know, either get disappointed in, in their heads and just a whole bunch of stuff comes in and emotion comes in. Um, but that's just one little aspect. And that's not technically when you really dive into Ayurveda, that's not even correlation there. If that makes sense. I'm
0: glad you brought that up because I feel like that's the type of thing where if you went to Pinterest and you had no idea what you were looking for, for Ayurveda, and you just typed it in and then like all these body charts came up that you would then sort of like correctly or potentially incorrectly almost diagnose yourself as being one or the other without paying attention to that. Because when you, when you said that, um, like pitas can add muscle more easily, I actually have a really hard time putting on muscle. Like my body just likes being a particular size and I'm constantly trying to like build a booty and like all these things. And I have a hard time doing it because my body just likes being a very particular size and I have a hard time actually adding a bit of weight. Um, so it, that's really interesting because I mean, that obviously doesn't seem to play nearly as much of a role as everything else that you talked about.
1: No. And that's where, I mean, it can be out of balance. So like one of my friends who's a Kafa, like Kapha is her primary, she has a six pack. And like, so I think that's some of the things where you're like, if you look at those charts and that's what you see, you're thinking, Oh, well, I don't look like that. And again, that's one aspect. And that's why when I was, um, like going through years, Emily, I was like, okay, definitely Vata. So Vata's tend to be, um, more excessively tall, which I am also tall, so like yes. both of us would you fit that. <laughs> and so like those are some of the things where you're like, okay, so I fit some areas here, but I do tend to put on muscle easily, so that's where the pitta comes into play, and that's where you can kind of see, oh, I got a little bit of all of this. And I personally have been working and cultivating more kapha into my life, and um, to have that more grounded energy, because I know for me, if I I can get all over the place, and so there's not like a rhyme or reason or one reason you should only focus on one of these doshas. That's why I really like to educate about all three because they all are amazing doshas and they all have purposes depending on what area and what, um, you know, kind of spot you're at in your life.
0: That's fascinating. And then, I mean, you and I were talking again beforehand too, you mentioned, uh, ojas and using that for better health. So tell us a little bit about that and how that sort of all connects with, with like the dosha aspect as well.
1: So Ojas are, um, it's vital energy is essentially what it is. And this is something that, oh man, it's its an easy area for us to get out of balance in in our lives. And so having healthy Ojas means we're probably not gonna be as sick as much. We're gonna be feeling like we have energy to last the entire day. Um, you know, we just are feeling good. And so the first thing that you gotta do is looking at your rest. And so this is one that people tend to, really get out of whack in, um is just, bl- you know, blowing through their day. Um, I'll give you kind of an example of someone uh, who might not have the best ojas. And this is just, you know, from me working with my clients personally. And um, we were actually working a lot on this with her trying to balance the ojas because she'd get up 5am, you know, go work out and then start her 40 hour work week. Well, it was more like 60 hours, plus she started her own business. So she has like another, you know, 20, 30 hours, she's doing that on the side. So she'd go into work, you know, work from like eight until sometimes 8 PM leave, maybe teach a group fitness class, um, in the evenings, maybe scarf some food occasionally, you know, maybe at two o'clock she'd get to eat for the first time the entire day. And then not until like nine o'clock at night, and then go to sleep at 11 and then repeat it all the next day. And that's someone who's really depleted their ojas because they're just running on fumes. And so many of us do that where we're just not in a routine and we're really, um, we're not taking proper care of ourselves and we're overly stimulated. And that's one that's an out of balance ojas. Um, you know, how often do you just pick up your phone mindlessly and you're like, I don't even know what I just picked it up for, but you just pop it right open to email or to Instagram, um, to Facebook. And we're just constantly just opening things up and not really being present with ourselves. Um, And having awareness of our five senses, which I've worked a lot on this year, um, of just trying to be, you know, when I'm eating, like no distractions. I'm gonna sit here for 20 minutes. And sometimes it's painful to sit there for 20 minutes, but trying to actually like smell the food, taste the food, have conversation. Usually it's with my two and a half year old. So it's not like super in-depth conversation, but <laughs> you know, we're we're talking, I'm listening. Cause I usually finish before him. And you know, that's like what you need to do is just be a little bit more present and bring in the senses um, avoid overeating. And that can be the same thing when you're eating. So many of us are distracted. We don't realize like, Whoa, I feel so full. And we I've been there where maybe you pushed off your lunch too late into the day and you just stuff yourself. And then you're like, I feel horrible now. I ate way too much. Um, and just trying to avoid that, um, oiling our outer body. That's also part of it for Ojas. Cause it's also the outside and the inside. So oiling means like self massage or abhyanga it's called and i like to do this daily uh, if I shower daily, it doesn't always happen daily, but if I do... <laughs> Me too, girl. Me too. <laughs> sometimes it happens, sometimes it happens. Entrepreneur life. <laughs> and so if I had a hard workout, I definitely will shower. But if I don't, don't always. <laughs> so that's where um, doing a little oiling on your skin, especially now in the fall and winter seasons, um, putting on that oil. And um, you know dry brushing can also be really helpful if your skin is already not super dry, which we can talk about. Um, There is definitely some major health benefits to dry brushing. Um, Looking at energy vampires in your life, just kind of seeing if someone's sucking the energy right out of you. Um, I've had clients where I had to seriously ground myself before I went in there to make sure I was centered um, in the past because I I just knew I was just going to get spewed on for the 30 minutes of our session because it was... You know, oh, I don't have a job. And then she got a job, and then she hated her job. And it was just constant, like, I am the dumping ground for her. And I'm the only person she's seeing. So it was tough. And so those are the ones where you're like, okay, is this worth my health? Um, and you can have friends like that. so just kind of reevaluating some of those situations or friendships that you have. Um, restorative yoga helps balance the ojas. So if you're really pushing hard, and this is where I see a lot um, with one of my gals, she, uh, we were talking and I just said, okay, let's make these situations change first. And then we'll worry about workouts. Cause obviously I've been training for a long time. Workouts to me are super easy to change and adjust. So she goes, great. She's like, well, I'm going to keep doing my two a days. And I was like, wait, what, why are you doing two a day workouts? And she has an eight month old. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like this, that is, that's got to change. So, so it's stuff like that, nice. where we just are like, go, go, go. And we're like, no, no, no. Like Chill, 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 so that's sometimes um, you know kind of ways that we can balance our ojas, um, just kind of in a nutshell. oh, that is so good. You just gave us so many things
0: there actually, I would love to to quickly go back to well, yeah. the energy vampires are, are huge, but i'd love to quickly hear more about your opinion on the dry brushing because I, I'm probably going to do a whole episode just on skin coming up because they they're, I've actually had like a couple flare ups of things that i'd never experienced before, and it's it's a whole thing anyway, I typically um, I was dry brushing for quite a while and then I kind of got out of the routine and I'm getting back into the routine of it, but I typically do have really dry skin, especially in the winter. So what are some of, um, what are some of the factors that associate with that in terms of benefits or maybe like pulling back on it a little bit? What, what do you think about that?
1: So for dry brushing, especially now that we're going into the, you know, drier, temperatures and air, um, making sure you oil after and that will help with the anytime you dry brush. So usually if you have dry skin, making sure you oil. Again, you can do it before or after. I just prefer after. Um, And ideally, again, depending on your oils, I like to oil after my shower rather than before. But sometimes in Ayurveda they say before. So again, it's kind of personal preference. See what works best for you. But in terms of the actual dry brushing, it really helps with circulation. So if you have poor circulation, um, it really helps get things moving. I have varicose veins, like a ton of them now. And I don't know how, like my, my mom does. And so I think this one definitely is genetics. And so it really helps with varicose veins. And so what can happen with the varicose veins is you can potentially get some blood clots. And so that helps for me keeping things moving. So if you have a lot of varicose veins, definitely dry brushing should be part of your routine daily. And mine, I know go down the more I dry brush. And so The more I'm consistent with it and constantly do it, I will notice they will go down, which is good because then I don't notice as much. So like I'll get numbing, like when I'm sleeping, like my leg, my arm, everything will get numb because of just after having my son, like this is just part of the fun parts of childbirth that you don't know about until afterwards. And um, a lot of it's from like the veins just getting closed up and they're just like, there's nothing like my doctor's like, I can't really do anything until you're done having kids. And then we can talk about it. Otherwise, she said there's no purpose because you're just going to get more the next time, you know, after you'd have your baby and during pregnancy. So um, that's one of the really big benefits of it. I have a client who has blood clots. And so that actually really is beneficial for her too to make sure things are moving.
0: Interesting. Oh, that's so good. Actually, yeah, I I did a a whole episode just on like oils, like using oils on your skin and stuff. So I'll make sure to reference that in the show notes because there's... There's so many misconceptions that so many of us have about oils and not wanting to use it. And I, I, they can just be amazing. Like I've had a really, really good uh, experience with them. And it's funny, once you get into the habit of dry brushing, your body starts to crave it. Like, have you, have you noticed that? Or is that just me? It, it's then, if I go too long without doing it, it's like, I just want that feeling of, of that like rough brush on my skin. It's really bizarre.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I love it. And that's, especially now, like the summer can be a little bit more, eh. but now it's like, my skin is like, yes, dry brush. And it feels good. Like the, at first it might not. So just to warn you, if you're like, this does not feel good. First few times it might feel a little rough if you've never done it before. Cause it is a firmer brush and bristles so if someone's like what is a dry brush you can just like go into amazon or google it and you'll be able to see them um and there's no like i have one that's got a long stick but it can come off and so then it can be a short just put on my hand and so if you want to do your back sometimes those long sticks will help so if someone's like what which kind so there's a little bit different kinds
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I use too. Cause yeah, sometimes a little you gotta get to some awkward spots there sometimes. (laughs) So I would love to know. I mean, we're we're talking about this a a little bit anyway, but because I know that you're working with a lot of clients and and so many of us are in the same uh, boat of we want to run on our schedules (laughs) and we're not very understanding when our bodies are not really wanting to cooperate with us. And because nature and the changing seasons play a really big role in Ayurveda, what's what's the connection there? like how
1: can we use that to our advantage basically so the seasons and um you know working with nature so a lot of the times what's going on outside is also going on inside of our bodies and so each of the doshas is associated with a season as well and so once you kind of know that it's really easy to um figure out where or what dosha might go off so for example right now we're in the vata time of time of year so the vata is fall and through early winter and so Some people say kapha is all winter long. I personally don't for where I am. And I don't, I'm assuming Canada is probably similar weather to what we have in Minnesota. Um, But so it kind of goes through that early winter. And that means it's dry. It's um, very sporadic right now in the early fall temperatures. Like we can go from like 60 degrees to maybe 30 degrees the next day. And so it's just very sporadic, which can really aggravate the vata dosha because it doesn't like big spikes. Um, it doesn't do well with lots of changes. It likes change, but it doesn't do well with it because it really resists the routines. But to keep in balance during that fall and early winter, you know you have to stick to a routine and that's anybody. So if you start getting off in things, um, that's that vata dosha kind of flaring up its head. And the fall, we cleanse twice a year in Ayurveda and the fall is one of those times. And the fall is a perfect time to cleanse. And when you say cleanse, like I wrote an email about this is it can either be like people are like yay or other people are like no. And so a cleanse is one week and it's all kitchery. So you're eating kitchery for every meal. What's I that? Personally, yeah. So if you like kitchery, awesome. There's tons of different recipes. So you do, you can play around with like what you're putting in your kitchery. Um, but that's something to do during that, during that week. And it helps prevent getting sick in the winter. And I've done this and I usually am pretty good with health since I've been doing my cleanses. Um, I actually don't get sick knock on wood all that often. Um, and my husband and my son were sick like last year constantly. And I'm like, wow, I am fighting these colds off really well. And so they really help with the immune system. And so that's why I'm a big fan of doing them. And I also incorporate kind of a Detox with social media and kind of look at other areas of my life like, can I get off my computer maybe a little bit earlier this week? Can I not watch TV at all this week? Um, You know, whatever you think is kind of holding you back, you kind of go that week and really try to get connected back with yourself. And that's, you know, again in the fall and then again in the spring before you hit summer. And so those are kind of those two weeks a year where you really try to connect back in with yourself um, to set your goals, I guess. Okay. And what's Kitchery? So kitchari is, um, there's, again, depending on, so there's some more new school people who are coming around with some different recipes that have quinoa in it. Um, Old school is going to have your rice. So it's going to have your um, basmati rice and then your split yellow mung beans are pretty much the makeup of them. So instead of the rice, one might have quinoa. Um, And then you're going to have lots of veggies in it. So seasonal veggies. So you're going to cut up some seasonal veggies, um, putting it in the you can either do a slow cooker, or you can put it in an instant pot and, um, you know, you have some broth in there and that's pretty much what you eat all all day long. So it can be kind of, uh, not the most fun thing, but it really does help improve things, especially if you have poor digestion. Um, that's one that's been helping me. Like I've had bad digestion since I can remember. Um, and so it's, it's going to take me years and it has taken me, well, two and a half years. I'm still working on it. Um, just to show people how long some of these things can can take to change. So when I was went to the doctor I think in high school I remember her asking how often I went I had a bowel movement. I go, "Uh like maybe once a week?" And she was oh like, "Oh my gosh. What? I had no idea this was like not right. Like no idea. I was like, "Really?" And she's like, "You don't go every day?" I was like, "No, not even close." And she was like, "Okay." So again, I still I did not know this was an issue until I took the first Ayurveda course. Like I literally just found out probably like four years ago that this was an issue. Like I went 30 years of my life, not knowing that you should have a bowel movement every day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like nobody talked about it. And so I was like, huh. So once I learned that I'm like, okay, so it's, it's taking me a while to start reversing. Um, but for me, like if you have constipation issues, Uh, salads are a no-go, like salads are horrible for you because anything with raw vegetables, you just can't process it. So it's just sitting probably in your colon for who knows how long until it goes through and you finally have that bowel movement. So cooking your vegetables is usually the first thing I have. Everyone do if they have constipation issues, because that helps keep things moving and eating at a regular time. And so those are kind of the things that have helped me like start to actually have a movement. Usually now it's every day. Ideally you're supposed to have your bowel movement the first thing in the morning. Um, I'm still not there yet, but I've at least moved it up to usually like one o'clock. I'm like, okay, usually by then we <laughs> And like, that's, this is the process. So like sometimes like working with this, you know, with these tools, it takes a while to like backtrack and really get some of this stuff in place because I've had 30 years of not proper bowel movements. So that's what we also have to think. It's not a quick fix. Um, it, it will take some time.
0: I think that's one of the biggest things to underscore here is that, I mean, we, I, I tell clients this all day long, and I know that, that you do as well, which is it's, it's going to take time. And this is the problem. So many of us are, are now used to a society and the world that we live in. Everything happens very quickly. And we expect our bodies to respond in the same way but it took us so long to get here. And like you, for example, didn't know for 30 years that there was anything up with your digestion, that that was just your normal. So you thought that that was normal. And I know all kinds of people who who experience the same thing. And that just isn't going to switch all of a sudden overnight. Like you can't make one change and then it's all just going to completely fall together for you. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 And that's where I'm like, oh, that's why I love like some of the the little subtle things in Ayurveda that you're like, oh, that will help with that. Like cooking my vegetables, who knew? But it has helped. You know, eating an early, lighter dinner, that's helped. You know, all of these things, having soups, I eat pretty much now until winter is done. It's every evening, it's pretty much a soup of some sort for myself. Um, and that's really helped with my digestion because it's easy to process and eliminating those snacks during the evening. Um, trying to have minimal snacks during the day. Like all of those things have helped improve my digestion. And, um, you know, is it perfect every day? No, but if I'm on it, like I usually am like, Oh, sometimes I will have a bowel movement in the morning. And that's where I know I just have to make sure your routine with this. And that's again, routines aren't always sexy for people to do. And they're like, ugh. but that's usually what works.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And we've, I mean, you've covered so many little tidbits all throughout this, but what are some, some other maybe daily rituals or practices that are rooted in Ayurveda that you really love to do for yourself?
1: Yeah. So for me, I, I mean, I do like the dry brush and the oiling, um, early, lighter dinners has been like a staple since I've learned about that. So ideally you're done eating. Um, now this is like real, real ideal, like 4:30 or 5.00 PM. Not um not gonna happen obviously for everyone. Really special. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And that's what I that's what I love. So I love to eat like usually um I'm done eating for sure by 5 30 most nights, I would say. Um and then if you're like holy crap, holy crap Andrew, like no way. Um like my family, my family still eats at like nine o'clock at night, back it up by half an hour. So try to get half an hour earlier every single night, um, until you're slowly to that point. And usually you want to be done by seven. So if like, if there is like an end all, like, can we make it to seven and then be done because you want to have that, you know, you want to be done eating two hours before you go to bed. And ideally in Ayurveda, you're going to bed by 10 PM. And so I love to go to bed early. So I sometimes I'm in bed by eight cause I get up early. And that's also part of, um, you know, you want to go to bed at 10, you want to wake up around six. And so those are kind of the, and the so the clock is also associated with the doshas. So there's many like intricacies and that's why like the to time of day is between 10 and two. So if you wait until after 10 PM and you might get a second wind, which we've probably all had where you're like, I'm really, really tired. And all of a sudden you're like, never mind, I'm going to stay up a couple extra hours. And then that's because you hit your second wind in that pit to time of day. And so that's kind of where, you know, you want to wake up, between, well, 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. is the Vata time of day. And so getting up before you sneak into the Kapha time of day, which is from 6 to 10, is ideal. So getting up, you know, anywhere from like the 4.30 to 6 a.m. is ideal before you get that, you know, sometimes I actually just switched one of my clients to this because she was getting up, I don't know, 7, 7 7.30. And she was like, I'm just so tired when I wake up. And she was getting plenty of rest. And so I said, let's try getting up at six. So she has been the last couple of weeks. And she goes, oh my gosh, like I feel so much better. And that's the same thing. It's just because the clock will kind of switch into that kapha. And remember the kapha are those heavier energies. And so sometimes that little tweak will make a difference where you might be like, really? And I've tried it myself. And on the weekends, sometimes if I sleep in until seven or 7.30, I feel more tired than if I would have just gotten up at 5.30.
0: That's fascinating. It's so interesting to me what a difference the tiniest little things can make. Like you can you can switch just one little thing and sometimes like a client will look at you like like you're crazy. Like what do you mean? That's it? That's all I have to do? And not that that, you know, solves everything, but it can make such a huge difference and have this massive cascade effect just from that one tiny little detail that we just were brushing aside because it seemed too simple.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean and there's a great book change your life, change, no, change your schedule, change your life. I cannot remember the guy's name. Um, I want to say it's Kazar or something, but look into that book. If you're really fascinated by schedule change, um, because he literally, um, you know, he's an Ayurvedic doctor and has been, that's what he does with his clients. He just switches schedules And um, people who have like, I cannot lose weight, they literally just change what time they work out and all of a sudden their weight's coming off or like they change when their meal is. So the biggest meal ideally is over the noon hour because our digestive fire is the strongest because remember that 10 to 2 time is the pitta time of day. Pitta is fire. Pittas tend to have strong digestion. Not always. Obviously in my case, this is why you're not everything what I've said um, when I talk about a dosha but that is where, you know, you really get that digestive strong suit. So having that be the biggest meal is huge. And so sometimes those little shifts, um, really make a difference. And if you're kind of curious about those, that book would be a really great place to kind of read more about, Oh, when should I be doing X, Y, Z? I'll
0: make sure to reference that in the show notes. That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, what do you have anything else? I mean, there's so many things. This is the the whole problem, but we had talked a lot about nature and stuff too. And is there Is there anything that you really want to pass along about Ayurveda that you would love people to know or something that is like extra fascinating to you that we maybe haven't talked about yet?
1: You know, I would say at the end of the day, um, I ran this course, I think last year and everyone who took it, they all said, I now understand, like I have to listen to myself. I know all of the answers. And that's ultimately like what Ayurveda teaches you is you do know all the answers, and it's about slowing down and tuning in and connecting to yourself. And once you've done that, you'll start to see, like, oh, I know what workout I need today, or oh, I know what foods I should be eating. Um, And I think once you kind of get to that point with yourself, and again, it takes time, it takes practice, but that's really what Ayurveda is all about is connecting to yourself and noticing like the seasonal shifts and noticing. Do I have more energy in the mornings if I am you know, getting up at 6 a.m. versus 7 a.m.? Um, I think that's really, at the end of the day, what it's trying to teach you.
0: Mm, so good. and And that's the thing is that I think a lot of us just sort of get lost and overwhelmed feeling like there's so many answers out there, which one is right for us? And that's incredibly empowering, like recognizing that the answers are inside of us. We just have to figure out how to uncover them. Yes,
1: yes love it. So good.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, Andrea, where can we find you? I want to make sure that everybody can, can go follow you in
1: all the places. Yeah. So I am at my website is just my name, andreaclausen.com, And then I have a quiz there too, if you're interested in your dosha and it will pop up right as you um, come into the website. Uh, it's all about the dosha quiz and you can kind of learn a little bit more about your dosha there. And then um, Instagram, I like to hang out there, andreaclausen21. And then I have a podcast, Peaceful Power Podcast, and um, I do little solo shows occasionally about Ayurveda. And so if you're curious about any um, of the various topics that we've talked about today, I've got probably a little solo show going a little bit more in depth about it.
0: I love it. And your podcast is fantastic. So I highly recommend that everybody go check that out because you've got so much good stuff going on over there. (laughs) Thank you. So it's yours. I love it. Oh, thank you. So I have one final question, and that is if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version
1: of themselves, what would it be? I would definitely say connect to your divine body wisdom. If you can connect to yourself, I think that's where all of the answers lie.
0: Oh, it's so, so, so good. I love it.
1: And it's funny because it, it sounds
0: so woo woo. But once you start to actually do the work on this and figure it out, it's like, it all makes sense. You're like, well, of course that makes perfect sense. I just need to connect to my divine wisdom. Like,
1: <laughs> and it is a science. I mean, it, that's the one thing I have like one of my gals who is a science person. And I'm like, she, once she was like, oh, it is a science. And she kind of, was, she geeked out on that. So like it can kind of fit wherever you're at.
0: Yes. And that's what I like about it too, is that there's so many different aspects that you can take from Ayurveda to really incorporate into your life without, you know, you don't have to necessarily think of it as an all or nothing type of thing. Like it's not like you're all about Ayurveda and not anything else. You can take different practices from all over and make it work for you and your lifestyle. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Uh, Andrea, I have learned an absolute ton from this. So thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so grateful for you and I'm just really excited to to share this with everybody because I think that we can all benefit from introducing more of these types of practices into our lives. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.